Help, 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 help. I'm talking about a specific type of help today. I'm talking about the help to where you feel like you're drowning. Anybody ever been there? Where you, where, you, where, you, where, you, where you got your arms and your head up above the water, but you don't know how much longer you're going to be able to stay afloat. Your arms flaring, you're in panic. A drowning type of help. You ever been in a situation where you hope that someone could just pull you out of your current situation? You ever felt buried in a situation? You ever been in panic in a situation? To where, to where what they can see above water is nothing compared to what's going on underneath. I'm talking about a specific type of help today. The type of help that can change you. I used to always uh, question, wonder maybe, when I looked on social media, why would someone put their, their whole business out on a post or on a status? It's because they've been drowning for so long. That at this point, I don't care who saves me. I'm speaking to the person who, who's been drowning for so long that they're no longer looking for the lifeguard. At this point, whoever can grab my hand and bring me out. At this point, it, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's a like on, on Facebook. It doesn't matter if it's a post. It doesn't matter if it's a woman. It doesn't matter if it's a man. It doesn't matter if this person is actually going to help me or if they're just going to make me feel better. It doesn't matter exactly as long as they're willing to help. Has anybody ever been in a situation to where I just need help? It, it don't really have to be from you, God. It don't really have to be from you, Jesus. It really doesn't have to be from my wife or my husband. It doesn't have to be from my friend. It doesn't have to be from an enemy. I just need help. I don't care if it's from the church or outside of the church. When you really need help, when you're really drowning physically, mentally, spiritually, you can go to the wrong side of the pool sometimes. Sometimes you can, you can, you can. You ever seen someone actually drowning? Someone actually not knowing whether they're going to make it out of something. It, it, it puts them in a place. A drowning person can end up being one of the most dangerous people when 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 your life is on the line sometimes you 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 can see someone who's drowning actually pull someone else in because they're just trying to get above the water i don't know if anybody here has ever brought somebody else into your mess because you were drowning this month we're talking about help so every sunday for the next four weeks we'll be talking about help and today my task is to, to help us understand where we're going and where we're going essentially is talking about how our help can come from no one but Jesus. Yes. We're going to go to Mark chapter 9. Once again, I'm talking about the type of drowning where you wonder, how could I be drowning for this long? How haven't I went under yet? As you're turning, Mark is the, I've been waiting to do this because I'm going I'm to I'm mimic how Corey does it. Mark is the book that's after Matthew. <laughs> Chapter 9 is in between 8 and 10. <laughs> Basically, Corey be coming at us every Sunday. That's what I'm trying to say. He, he makes it seem like we don't know where it's at and we don't know our numbers. This is what happens when you give me the mic, Corey. 
We're going to start in verse 14. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe. And they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth. Then he grinds his teeth and becomes so rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people. How long must I be with you? How long, how long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit I guess they want me to read it from my Bible. Where are we at? But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us, if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. See, he threw a, he threw a if at Jesus, so Jesus threw an if back at him. Anything is possible if a person believes. So the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. My first point for today is, my bad, I thought you were Jesus. My wife can contest to this. Sometimes people come up to me and they say that they thought I was somebody that I'm obviously not. This one time this person came up to me and they was like, oh my God, I thought you were LeBron. <laughs> and I can tell on the lady's face that like she was real disappointed when she realized that I wasn't LeBron. And I told her like, you know, we both have the same hair issue. It's leaving, it's leaving us as quickly as we can talk about it. But I'm actually standing up right now. I know you might have thought I was sitting down, but this is actually what height I am. This is what God gave me. <laughs> so no, I'm not LeBron. But I could tell on her face that when she came up to me, she came up to me with the expectation. Because LeBron does a lot of things. You know, you, you see a lot of these uh, celebrities, these people with a lot of money. They're buying laptops. This dude gave like millions of dollars to schools there's no there's no real telling what her expectation was as she was walking towards me with the understanding that I was LeBron I don't know exactly what she was going to ask me when she thought I was LeBron but I can guarantee you when she realized that I wasn't LeBron she did not ask me that same thing so my question is how many people have walked up to you because of who you say you are because of what church you go to because of the way that you present yourself. And they walk away like, dang, I thought they were Jesus. Maybe, maybe we need to go back to the scripture. Y'all can understand why I say what I said. I can tell by the silence that y'all didn't get it when I got it. Where is it at? It's verse...
Give me a second. I'm going to get there. okay right here right here verse 17 go back to verse 17 for me one of the men in the crowd one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said teacher I brought my son so you could heal him if you look at the King James version it says teacher I brought my son to you who could tell me who, who they brought the son to he brought it to the disciples. But when they spoke to Jesus, they said, they said, no, Lord, I brought them to you. And then in verse 19, he says, but the disciples couldn't heal them. I'm trying to tell you that when people bring someone to you, they don't look at it like I'm bringing it to you. They look at it like I'm bringing this problem to Jesus himself. And when they walk away and the problem hasn't been fixed. They don't walk away saying, Corey couldn't fix my problem, or Rochelle couldn't fix my problem, or Carol, or Jeremy, or they walk away thinking to themselves, like, dang, I brought my problem to Jesus, and Jesus couldn't heal him. Maybe that person wasn't who I thought they were. So my first point is, my bad. I thought you were Jesus. What does the expectation of Jesus look like when somebody brings their problems to you? She came to me with an expectation. She thought I was LeBron, and she walked away disappointed. How many people have walked up to you with an expectation in Christ, but walked away disappointed? Why don't we meet the expectations? Why aren't we, why are we like the disciples? When we look at verse 29, it says, Jesus replied, this kind, this kind right here, I have to tell my sons all the time, we're moving on to another level. And this level can't be made victorious off your last level's workout. So my sons are going to the eighth grade, they really love sports, so they're always trying to you know, be better or whatever the case may be, but sometimes they get lazy and they expect something. And when that expectation doesn't happen, they come back and they ask me, Lord, why wasn't, all right, uh, my bad. Dad, why wasn't I able? The same way the disciples said, Lord, like, why wasn't we able? And I have to tell my sons, like, you can't work out in the seventh grade and then want to get to the eighth grade and think that now just because of the workout that you used to do, that now you're going to see something in the eighth grade without working in the eighth grade. A lot of us have been trying to get victories in Christ off of our last victory. We haven't been moving on to another level of working. And you can see this because God tells them, he says, you guys want the result of faith, but you're not exercising your faith. You guys are looking for a result. You're looking for something to happen in this boy, but you're not really exercising. What he says they had to do when he said that they had to exercise is he said, I'm going to need you guys to do a little bit more pray, praying and a little bit more fasting. I'm going to need you guys to push some things away. There's some things in some people's lives and this building specifically, just because I have the mic and I'm speaking to the people in this building specifically, that we're going to have to start pushing aside. Like back in the day, what they used to do when they would fast is they would push the plate away, but I'm not 
asking people in this, this church that I'm speaking to today that you just push your plate away because a lot of us are in a place in our life that we really, we really ain't got to eat all like that. But there's some things that we should be pushing away. There's some things that we are going to need to push away if we're going to try to fix this kind of situation. We've been wondering why we haven't been seeing change in this kind of city, in this time of neighborhood, in this kind of community. We've been wondering why we haven't seen the change that we want to see in this kind of marriage, in this kind of relationship. Why hasn't this kind of depression been changing? And I'm trying to tell you that there's only going to see change in this kind if we start pushing some things away. He said, you ain't been praying enough. My daughter reached out to me and she said, KT, I've been, I've been praying, but have I been praying enough? Maybe you were praying enough for that kind. But what about this kind? Well, take a second with me and just think about what this kind is in your life. You've had, you've had the last victory. You, 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 you've had last grade's wow. victory. Wow. But what do you got to do different for this kind? Yeah. It wasn't that the disciples weren't working. Thursday, I'm trying to tell you, I, I, I questioned God a lot when I was preparing for this message. Because I didn't want to be the dude that get up here and say the same thing that I say every time that I get up here. And I was like, Lord, I don't want to get up there and sound like I'm trying to say that people aren't doing enough. And he showed me in the scripture, it wasn't that the disciples weren't doing. It's not like they brought the boy to the disciples and the disciples were like, no, I'm cool. I'm kind of doing something else and I ain't really got time for you and your child right now. I don't really have time for you in the community. I don't really have time to be coming to church for huddle. And I don't really got time to be coming to classes. It's not that we're making it seem like we don't have time, Third Street. It's not that we're not putting in the work. But this kind is going to take a little bit more from us on the back end. It's not that we're not coming to huddle. It's not that we're not coming to the classes. It's not that we're not in our word. But it's some other things that's taking up our time that we're going to have to push to the side if we want to change this kind of issue. When I go into Caleb's room, 95% of the time, it's chaos, right? It's, it's a mess. And I promise you, my wife cleans his room every day. But Caleb likes to just go in. He got this bucket of toys. And the toy that he's looking for must be at the bottom. Because he just dumps all of the toys out. And then once they're spread out on the floor, his, his, his tension span is so bad that he just leaves the room completely. Like, he forgot why he dumped the toys out at all. And then eventually throughout the day, his father will come into the room. And when his father comes into the room, my son is young enough, but he's, he's smart enough to recognize that my dad ain't going to stay in his room if it's a mess. He don't know how to clean it up yet, but what he'll do is he'll just knock everything off the bed so it's enough room for him and the father. Whew. 
Some of us have been allowing the Father to come in the room, but we ain't knocking enough, enough stuff off the bed, and it's not enough room for God to really sit next to us. And God is telling us that you got to make room for me. It doesn't matter what the room looks like. I don't need you to come to church and your room be clean. I'm not asking you to make up the bed, but just make up enough room for me. Whatever's next to you, whatever you put next to you that you thought was so important, I'm not asking you to clean up anything, but just knock some stuff off that's next to you, some things that you've been holding on dearly. I know you've been drinking all the time and you've been smoking all the time and I know you've been having this dude over. I'm not asking you to change everything right now. I know that you're not capable because Caleb is only three, can't clean up the whole room by himself, but he'll knock some stuff off and let the father come sit next to him so he can spend a little time with his daddy. He's just asking for a little room so that we can change this kind of situation. Step two. Don't cross the street on this problem. I was on Facebook yesterday. I talked about y'all being on all that stuff and then the next step is I was on Facebook, I know. And I seen a story about this police chief. Yeah, I've been on the force for 33 years. And uh, he messed up. You guys know where this story is going as soon as I say police chief. Um, he, he had been in the force for 33 years. He had been a police chief for eight years. And more than likely, he didn't know he was on camera, but he was. And he put a KKK sign on a black officer's desk. And when they brought it to his attention, he resigned immediately. Like, I ain't even going to try to explain myself. I'm just going to go ahead and put my paperwork in, go ahead and get this retirement, because I know it's a wrap for me. And when I read it, I wasn't angry. I was, this is, this is the keep it real step right here at Third Street. I'm a black pastor at a multicultural church. I've never been to a multicultural church for more than just a one-week session. I would go to my brother's church, and then I would go back to my black church for the next 19 months. And then once again, I would go to my brother's church, and then I would go back to the, I've never been in a situation to where I'm the black pastor at a, any type of church but black church. When I seen this, my original thought process is, I wonder what white people are thinking when they see this. Can I be real with y'all? I wonder. Because I know what black people think when they see this. A lot of cuss words. A lot of I told you so's. Because a lot of times when we see stuff like this and we speak up about it, we're told that we should just be quiet. Like this isn't a big issue. There's no need to be teaching our kids racial anything in school. You shouldn't be afraid when you get pulled over because a lot of police ain't like this. It's just a one-off. This is the police chief. This means in 33 years, this dude had did enough for his city and his suburb that they thought he was so great that they made him the police chief. And this guy is putting KKK signs on black people's desk. It's Independence Day. And I asked Corey this morning, I said, uh, sure you made the right dude? Sure you gave the right dude to Mike on July 4th? And Corey was like, shoot, I wasn't going to be no better than you. I was probably going to say worse stuff than you was going to say. I was like, 
You're right. Maybe you did get the right dude to make. Don't cross the street on this problem. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go to uh let's go to Luke 10. Keep your, keep your, keep your finger on Mark 9. I probably should have told you that first. In Mark 9, verse 21, Jesus asked the question, how long has this been happening? And his reply was, since he was a little boy, since the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water or tries to kill him, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus asked him, what do you mean, if I can? And he said, Jesus, or Jesus says, anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out. He said, Lord, I do believe. But even with my belief in you, there's still some some, some stuff that's happened that's made me unbelief. Now think about what I just said. We're talking about racism. And I'm going to read this verse again. We're talking about racism, and I'm going to read this verse again. How long has this been happening? Wow. And the father's reply is, since, I was, since he was born. How long has this been happening? How long have you felt this way? How long? He said, since as long as he's been alive. He's often thrown into the fire. They're often trying to kill him. Have mercy if you can. And Jesus replied, well, what do you mean if? And he said, Lord, I know you can do it, but, man, I can't keep having all of these faith. I can't have faith in the school system. I can't have faith in my mayor. I can't have faith in my councilman. I can't have faith in my government. I can't have faith in my president. I can't have faith in the police department. Lord, I know what you're capable of doing, but there's some things that's happened. There's some things that I've seen. This isn't the first time that I've tried to get my son some help. There's a reason why the disciples were arguing with the Pharisees when you got here. Because the Pharisees tried to cast out demons as well. The Pharisees have tried to help me before I even brought you, my son, to the disciples. This isn't the first time that I've looked out for help and I wasn't able to get any. Now, the reason why I'm so passionate about racism is because I've lived a life where people have treated me right all the time. I literally can't look at you and tell you two times that I've ever dealt with date racism, but my wife has but my brother have. And they've been telling me about racism all my life. But I'm always surrounded by all these black people so where I don't feel that there's any issue whatsoever and then God places me in a multicultural church and I sit up here and preach and I don't know if you look at me and you see a pastor or if you look at me and you see a black pastor. I don't know when I leave if you say anything about my children or if you're just loving on us because you don't see color. 
Understand my heart. Lord, I believe that you can place me in a church and every eye that I look at, whether it's brown or blue, I can believe that they love me, but help my unbelief because my wife, my wife has told me about when she's went into the grocery store and people treated her like she was less than my brother has told me about times when he was pulled over for no reason and have to get out of the car. I want to look at you and say that you love me just for me, but help my unbelief because you don't see you don't see what I see. You know, you don't, you don't, you never you haven't been through what I've heard people have been through. Lord, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to have a problem just because. Lord, I believe. I I, I know it's gotta be somebody else besides me on the other side of the track. Lord, I believe that they all are great people, but look what they show us on social media. Look how they riot every time they don't get their way. Lord, I believe that they're not all the same way, but help my unbelief. But what we need is, we need for people to see a problem and not cross the street. When we get to Mark, we was already in Mark, my bad. When we get to Luke, then we're in Luke 10. In verse 30 it says, Jesus replied with a story. He said, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him for half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road, and he passed him by. Then a temple assistant came. And he actually walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed to the other side. How many times have you heard a story or seen a situation and got close enough to look at it and was like, I don't want to touch it. Not only am I going to walk away from this situation, but I'm going to cross over to the other side of the street. Lord, I believe but help my unbelief. What would make someone see something that they obviously have the ability to help and not only walk away from this person, not only walk away from this situation, but walk away on the other side of the street? The other side of the street situation had to have, it had to have something to do with their heart. It had nothing to do with the person that was beaten up. It had nothing to do with the person that was lame. This person was robbed. They were beat. They were, their clothes were taken. They were left naked. They were in a situation to where they obviously needed help. So when the first person came up and walked to the other side of the street, it said that the first person was just there by happens chance. Maybe that person really didn't have enough time. Maybe they really weren't expecting to walk into this situation. If you think that that's a good enough excuse, we need a whole nother sermon for you. (laughs) The second person that walked up had enough time to actually walk up and examine the situation. They took a little bit more time out of their situation, out of their day to actually walk up to the situation. I think of this person who, who has enough in their heart or in their mind to walk up to the person and hear them out. I hear what you're going through. I hear what you're saying. Let me hear more. And then they hear enough and they walk across the street. 
We can't keep walking across the street on the problems and then expecting for the person that's hurt to just get fixed somehow, somewhere. I think of Jesus never taking the easy way out. Race is a hard subject. Homosexuality is a hard subject. I don't know what to call it because I'm not really educated in this, in this area, but the transgender situation is a hard subject. Alcoholism, alcoholic Alcoholism? Did I say it right? Hard subject. Drug addiction. Hard subject. We're going to have to start having some conversations on these hard subjects. Those conversations are going to have to stop just ending with conversations. The first person who walked up, I, I, I liken that to a hard conversation. I, I don't know any person in here that would see someone laying down on the street and not at least walk up. Matter of fact, I know that there was a, there's a lady in here right now who's seen a young lady getting beat up down the street after church service, and she came back to the church and got me and was like, you got to come down here immediately. She could have easily just kept driving down Tusk on her way to wherever it was that she was going, but she couldn't just leave that person. Like, I know where you guys' heart is. Nobody's seen that I got up here to preach and was like, oh, Corey ain't preaching this Sunday? I'm going to go ahead and bounce out. And I'd have been to churches where if the pastor ain't preaching, they would they drive up and they don't see the pastor's Cadillac in the joint. Oh, I'm cool. I got another church that I go to at 11. I know your hearts are in the right place, but it's got to be more than just a conversation. Step three. Is your compassion soothing the wound or is it making it worse? Is your compassion soothing the wound or is it making it worse? I shared with uh, Corey a situation that we had during our huddle. <laughs> and our huddle was on Zoom at the time. So we are at the house. And I'm, I'm preaching passionately, Some, something like what I'm trying to do right now. I'm a, I'm a passionate person. And I'm preaching passionately, I'm speaking passionately, and as I'm talking, I get a Charlie horse, something awful. And I didn't want to just stop and be like, oh, my God, I have a Charlie horse, y'all. Like, give me a second. So what I tried to do, just imagine all you can see is my face, right? And I'm preaching passionately, but under the table, I'm like... <laughs> And I'm like, oh, yeah, and the Lord said, and he'll be there for you. But under the table, I'm like, just leg, just shaking. And my wife is next to me, and she's trying to give me advice on what to do. And she's like, you got to sit still. Stop trying to stand up. But if, if anybody ever had a Charlie horse, like you can't, just, you can't just sit down on no Charlie horse and act like your leg ain't going like this as you talking, like my muscle in my leg is moving like this. And I'm trying to preach and I'm trying to keep this compassion, but the more and more that I don't take care of myself, I'm doing all of this preaching and myself Leads me to the dream that I just had. Oh my God. I had a dream about these two kids that I tried to help. Mm. 
First two kids that I ever tried to help. First time that I ever brought up Jesus in a conversation of ministry. And I was trying to tell these two kids, the way that y'all living, you're going to either end up in dead, you either going to end up dead or you're going to end up in jail. The one kid is dead. The other kid is in jail for the rest of his life. These are the two kids that I first ever tried to do ministry for. This is when they was in the seventh grade. First time God ever spoke to me and said, say something. So in my dream, I had walked into this gym. And I walked into the gym to work out, to fix me, to get me right, right? I see these two kids. I immediately stopped what I was doing, and I ran over and I tried to help these two kids. Now, my wife and my family that are here knows that, like, that is me. If I see that a kid is going through something, I'm stopping everything, and I'm trying to help this kid with everything I have. So in this dream, years go by, and me and these two kids is working out. I'm helping them with their layups. I'm working them with their shot. And then in the middle of the dream, the police come in, and they take the one kid, and they take him out. And then in the middle of the dream, another kid comes in and shoots the other kid, and he dies right in front of me. Then I wake up from the dream, and I go back to sleep. And when I go back to sleep, I wake up. Or when I go back to sleep in my dream, I go to the gym again to work out on me. And I realize I never fixed me. You can't help anyone else if you have not first helped yourself. I'm not saying that I'm the reason why these kids died or the reason why these kids went to jail, but I promise you, my heart tells me that if I would have went into the gym and I would have just worked on me first, if I'd have worked, oof, if I'd have worked on my marriage first, if I would have worked on my honesty first, my compassion wouldn't have been making things worse in other people's lives. It would have been soothing. Why was Jesus able to walk forth and actually help the boy? Because his relationship was right with God. He told the dudes, you are not in a situation to be helping this kind yet. Your prayer ain't right. Your fasting ain't right. You ain't moving enough stuff aside. Some of us are in a situation to where we don't need to be healing the demonic boy. We need to be fixing us. Your compassion can't be so great that when you go to help somebody, you're making the situation worse. The disciples went from trying to help somebody. Next thing you know, they arguing with somebody. The next thing you know, they questioning Jesus. They don't know about themselves. It's because they weren't right with them first. Why didn't the first person help the dude that was on the floor? More than likely because he couldn't. I'm looking at this dude like, how dare you walk by this guy on the ground and you ain't going to help this? He couldn't help that guy. The second guy came by, he, was, he got real close. He got close enough to recognize, I can't help you. The third dude comes up and he's like, I got all the materials. You need, you need oil? I got that right here. You, you need something to wrap your wounds with? I got that. You got to be able to have the tools capable of helping somebody. And the only way that you can do that is if you put yourself in a situation to help you first. And I know this is coming from God because this was not a part of my sermon at all. God is giving me this right now. If you're not helping yourself, you are not going to be able to help anybody else. They kicking it back there. 
end result of help, it's not going to look the way that you thought it was going to look. It's not going to look the way that you thought it was going to look. Some of us have stopped asking Jesus for help because of the state that we're in. It does not, this, is, this isn't what help looked like in my mind, so now I'm going to move forward and I'm going to ask somebody else for help. When you think of Jesus, sometimes you, you, you think of the Jesus, I, I'm talking like Corey now. You think of the Jesus that helps instantly, because we have a God that is an instant help. We have a God that says, you are healed, and then you are just healed. But you also have a God that goes through stages. In Mark chapter 9, we've seen Jesus help, and he helped in stages. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get out of here. It says, when Jesus, verse 25, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. The first step was, it said, the spirit screamed. Some of us have been screaming out. We've been crying out. We've been wanting. We've been asking. We've been seeking And because after the scream, nothing happened, we was like, okay, let's, this, this, this must not be working. This is where I'm going to stop asking for help. But this is actually just the first step of three steps that this boy had to go through. Next it said that it threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. It said so much so that a murmur ran through the crowd as people said he's dead. You fell to the ground in the second step so much so that the people that are around you said, look, they have fallen. Look, they dead. Look, it's over for them. Woo! They'll never be what they used to be, at least when they were standing up. I thought that they were actually getting help, but look, they're falling. I thought that they were actually getting better, but they look dead now. Some of us have been in a situation to where because it looked like it was dead, we said, all right, now this is where I'm going to stop asking Jesus for help. Because the marriage looked dead. The body looked dead. The relationship looked dead. The depression looked like there was no resuscitating it. So forth came the suicidal thoughts. It looked like it was never going to live again. But 27 says, but Jesus took him by the hand, helped him, his feet, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. I want you to visualize, either for yourself or for that person that you loved, that all you got to do is keep helping. Sometimes you got to help yourself first. If you're already to the point to where you helped yourself, just keep helping. I know it looked like that kid is still cussing kids out every time he comes to the program. Keep 
helping. I know that we went to the corner and we've seen that the prostitutes are still out there, even though we've done the baptism and we went out there and we gave prayers and we gave scriptures. Keep helping. God is going to get this zip code into a place to where he's grabbing people by the hand and he's standing them up. And it's all because you were prepared and you were there with the bandages. You were prepared. You were there with the oil. You were prepared. You stood yourself up first when you thought that you couldn't do it. You, you stopped doing what you were doing so you were able to stop doing what somebody else. I'm, I, I, I was going to mess that up and I was going to keep going, but I'm going to start all the way over. You stopped doing what you were doing so that you could help someone else stop doing what they're doing. I'm trying to tell you that there's a reason why you've been feeling the way that you've been feeling. There's a reason why you've been been wondering whether you've been righteous enough there's a reason why your heart has been feeling the way it's been feeling it's a reason why God sent you here today there's a reason why you've been struggling with your belief it's a reason why you have been saying Lord I believe but help my unbelief and it's because God is trying to put you in a situation to where your testimony is enough for him to grab somebody by the hand who's been drowning, who's been panicking, whose arms have been failing, so that he can look at them and say, you are done, you are well, you are great, you are healed, you are whole, you are loved. <laughs>